What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on another episode of Locked On Dolphins. Today is Thursday, December 2nd, and it is a crossover Thursday edition of Locked On Dolphins, but not before we get into some admin items, some injury-related news for the Miami Dolphins ahead of their Week 13 contest against the New York Giants. Let's get after it. Fins up. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's go! What's up, guys? Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. And today's episode is brought to you by Stat Hero, the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it is you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups, winner take all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Crossover Thursday, which means we're going to have a chance to hear from Locked On Giants for a little crossover quasi-Giants-Dolphins talk. Very excited. Make sure you check out uh, Locked On Giants. We did do uh, an exclusive conversation for each show. So there's a little bit more of this crossover conversation over on Locked On Giants today as well. But yesterday, we did get some exciting news in regards to the Miami Dolphins, and then that is that Devontae Parker is back at practice. That is a turn of good news for the Dolphins, who are looking to continue this momentum that they've built and and continue this push to try to climb back to 500. And of course, you play the Giants this week for a chance to win and get to 6-7 and on the season. And uh, Devontae Parker back in practice is a big development for the depth of the wide receiver groom. And of course, what the impact of that is going to be, assuming Devontae Parker is activated off of injured reserve uh, for his hamstring issue, uh, it's hard to say what the domino effects are going to look like, but it is certainly going to change the dynamic of the wide receiver group. And we've seen a fair amount of Mac Collins, and Mac Collins has done well with his opportunities. But you know, from a talent standpoint, Devontae Parker is a little bit of a different beast. And the more and more and more you can, if you want to play the 12 personnel game, in which the Dolphins are playing uh, at a very high clip as far as their personnel usage, if you want to have Durham Smythe as your H or Y tight end type, and you want to have Mike Gusecki and Jalen Waddle on the field. And if Devontae Parker can be that other piece, and then you've obviously got a tailback that's going to be involved in that as well, that is going to be a big boost for forcing opposing defenses to be mindful and covering the entirety of the field. And Devontae has at times shown good chemistry with Tua. So I think this, this could be a nice boost and juice for the Dolphins, uh, we will also see if Michael Dieter is back in action or not. That's something we should be watching closely. Uh, it was reported yesterday that Jesse Davis is in shorts and a compression sleeve on his right leg uh, at practice on Wednesday. 
Uh, so we'll see what his status is for the game. Uh, the Dolphins, if they get Dieter back, you could potentially play musical chairs. If that involves, if Jesse Davis can't go, moving Robert Hunt outside to right tackle and putting Dieter, who's played guard before, at at uh, right guard if you need be, or if you want to elevate somebody else, whether it's Robert Jones and, and and potentially move Austin Ryder back to the bench. There's a lot of potential changes that can be made from a talent perspective, for the better for the Dolphins this week between Devontae Parker, Michael Dieter, Greg Manns also reportedly uh, back and ready to practice. Will Fuller, however, is not. This comes courtesy of Brian Flores saying, quote, there's a lot of broken bones in there uh, in relation to the broken finger that Will Fuller suffered earlier this season. So we probably, I would write off Will Fuller altogether, and that's something that I talked about yesterday on the show with Joe Rose. Uh, But nevertheless, Dolphins getting a little healthier, right? We had some bad injury breaks early in the season between Tua and Dieter and Raekwon Davis. Now if we can get Dieter back into the mix and Devontae Parker, man, that'd be really exciting, especially in contrast to the New York Giants, who are a banged-up football team. Joe Judge is is trying to say, said on Wednesday, oh, Daniel Jones, we're not going to rule him out. Uh, But there was a pretty firm report on Tuesday uh, from NFL Network folks that Mike Lennon is going to start against the Dolphins in Week 13. Uh, Joe Judge said that Daniel Jones will practice this week on a limited basis and they're not going to rule him out. But that kind of wording and language usually is associated with a confirmation of this is the way it's going to be. Right. The other thing I wanted to touch on, and it was a cool article, and it was done by our, our friends over at Pro Football Focus. And it was through the first 12 weeks of the season who the highest graded rookies are in the NFL. And I want to read through this list, and it's important to read through this list because you're going to hear a couple of familiar names. Their top rated rookie in the NFL through 12 weeks is Creed Humphrey, center, Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of Dolphins fans had him on their radar. Obviously, didn't materialize that way. Number two, Mac Jones, quarterback, New England Patriots. Not a lot of surprise there. He's in a pretty stable environment. They're not asking him to do too much. Number three, offensive tackle, Rayshon Slater, Los Angeles Chargers. Another player that was on some Dolphins fans' radar those who advocated for tackle early, although Penny Sewell was probably a more favored pick by many. Number four, linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, Cleveland Browns, second-round pick. Okay. Number five, linebacker Micah Parsons, Dallas Cowboys, was a player that was on a lot of Dolphins fans' radar, potential kind of hybrid linebacker replacement. Here's where the list gets fun. Number six, Javon Holland, safety, Miami Dolphins, the sixth best rookie graded by Pro Football Focus in the NFL through the first 12 weeks of the season. Commentary after shaking off the rust of opting out last year, Holland has been a complete game changer as of late against the Panthers on Sunday. Holland picked off his only target. He now has either a pick or a pass breakup in six of his last seven games. Number seven, Jalen Waddell, wide receiver. Miami Dolphins, the seventh highest rated rookie of 2021 through the first 12 weeks. So those counting at home, Miami has the sixth and seventh highest rated rookies in the entire NFL through the first 12 weeks. 
Jalen Waddle commentary, the Dolphins knocked this rookie class out of the park with their first two picks. Waddle was utterly electric over the weekend, catching 9 of 10 targets for 137 yards at his fourth score of the year. Despite being only 5'10 and 182 pounds, Waddle has now hauled in 11 of his 15 contested catches on the season. The rest of the list includes familiar names for Dolphins fans like Kyle Pitts, who came in at number 8, Quiddy Pay, Indianapolis Colts at number 9, another contender for that spot for Jalen Phillips. Uh, where the Dolphins actually picked Phillips at 18. Devontae Smith, wide receiver Philadelphia Eagles at 11. Jamar Chase, wide receiver Cincinnati Bengals, 12. Penny Sewell at 15. So a lot of names that a lot of Dolphins fans had fanfare for in the build-up to the draft process, but to actually see two Dolphins players very high up in the top half of this list, things are clicking with a couple of these rookies. These guys hitting the ground running here over the past month and a half or so, coinciding with some of this team's success as well, amid this push once again to get back to 500. But of course, that push was made possible because of a big losing streak, and nobody likes to lose. Nobody plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels so much better, but traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups, winner take all. And here's the crazy part. Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play, and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one. This never-before-seen innovation of a daily fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has stat hero players clocking odds that are over four times better. Why? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknown. Stat Hero puts you in control of your own fate. With Stat Hero, you are in control of the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play for, and Stat Hero has no choice but to take it because they are daring you to beat them. Stat Hero head-to-head is what daily fantasy should be. One-on-one, you could sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on using promo code locked on for a 100% match. Terms and conditions apply. Let's go ahead and introduce Patricia and Locked On Giants into the mix. It's Thursday here on Locked On Dolphins. Locked On Crossover Thursday continues for yet another week. We'll be off next week with the bye week, but we will have some fun content nonetheless. In the meantime, let's get into it with our friends over at Locked On Giants. It is Thursday here on the Locked On Network, and you know what that means. It's Crossover Thursday, and I am thrilled to be joined by Patricia Trena of Locked on Giants. This is Kyle Krabs, host on Locked on Dolphins. We are previewing this Sunday's contest, week 13, between the Miami Dolphins and the New York Giants. So, Patricia, thanks for joining me. We just had a great conversation that everybody can listen to over on Locked on Giants as pertaining to the Miami Dolphins. And I would love to get the 411 on your football Giants. So, how are things first and foremost? Doing well here. I mean, busy, the Giants getting uh, ready for what's going to amount to a 10-game road trip. They're going to come down to Miami, play that game, and then they're going to head on out to Tucson, Arizona, where uh, they're going to spend most of the week because they have the San, I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers um, the week after. So it's going to be an interesting time. I don't think the Giants have ever done that 
in the Joe Judge era. Certainly they never did it under Tom Coughlin or any of the other coaches that they had in between. So it's going to be an interesting time for the Giants. It's going to be an extended road trip and curious to see how it all plays out. Yeah. So as we look at these two teams who are coming into this contest and the Giants are four and seven and the Dolphins are five and seven, um, I'd like your, your input first and foremost on what has year two under Joe Judge What's the perception of Coach Judge? What's the perception of the direction of the team amongst those who are following uh, this rebuild, if you will, from the Giants? It's kind of been a disappointment. And and for that, you know, the Giants went out and they they spent all this money on free agent playmakers. They tried to beef up the draft. uh, I'm sorry, the defense in the draft, as you know, the one area they didn't address, which Everybody is sitting here wondering why they didn't address it was the offensive line. And they were they they doubled down on that. They basically say, look, these are the guys we're going to have play. And, you know, you, at some point, young guys have to start playing, which they do. But the fact that they didn't reinforce that unit, they don't have any young talent sitting in the pipeline. A lot of the guys that they had as backups who are now, by the way, playing, they're not in the long-term plans. So the offensive line has been a problem. Injuries have been a problem. Um, the roster, I think, is better than what the record is, but the roster hasn't been healthy. The offensive line, like I said, has been a mess. And we still don't know what we have in Daniel Jones. You know, right now we see a, a, a game manager. We see a guy who, you know, sometimes he looks good, sometimes he doesn't. And when he doesn't, you just want to pull your hair out and scream. So it, it's really been a, a, a difficult year for the Giants because. Everybody is expecting them to be so much better than they are. And as far as Joe Judge goes, um, you know, look, his first year, I thought he did, for the most part, a fantastic job. There was very little I could quibble with. This year, I'm starting to see little things that are starting to drive me crazy, such as in-game management decisions, the use of timeouts. I, I have said numerous times on my show, I did not like how they approached preseason and training camp with with how they you know how he brought over that um, New England method, which works for New England, but it didn't work here for this team. So there have been little things that you sit there and you say, "Gosh, I hope he learns and he grows from it." I think he will. Joe's a smart guy. I think he has a vision. He knows what he wants from this team and, and what he's expecting. But he's got to kind of he's going to make mistakes along the way. You just hope that the mistakes don't really blow up in his face. And I think a couple have so far, but the the thought process is maybe he learns from that going forward. Certainly seems to be some parallels between these two former Patriots coaches now in charge of their own programs. And, and hearing you talk about standing pat on the offensive line and being committed to the guys that you have, young guys, and, and that's all storylines we're seeing in Miami too. But one other storyline that I see that is a parallel between these two teams is a slow start followed by at least some positive momentum. The Giants started one and five, Miami one and seven, uh, and the Giants are three and two in their last five contests. Miami coming into this contest with a four game winning streak of their own. And there's some familiar opponents uh, in, in these wins for the Giants. They, they beat Carolina, who Miami just played this past week and won 25 to three. Uh, so what have you seen over the past five games that's kind of helped them get some bounces of the ball and move towards progressing closer to 500 and building some momentum here in the second half of the season for New York. Well, the defense has played a lot better. Patrick Graham, who, you know, of course was the 
defensive coordinator for Miami for, I think it was the 2019 season before he mm-hmm. came over to the Giants. He has streamlined things. He has started playing guys and putting them in positions to, to make plays. And, and for example, early on in the year, I did not understand why, for example, he would have the corners playing in the next county. It made no sense. These are physical corners. They do better if you walk them up a little closer to the, to the line of scrimmage and you let them get physical and rough these, these receivers up. But yet they weren't doing that. They were playing like the safety 25, 30 yards deep. It was like you were playing with 10 guys. So Patrick Graham, I don't want to say simplified it because that's not the right word, but he streamlined things. He, he, he listened to the players. He went to the players and said, okay, guys, what can I do to help you? And then he went back into the lab, made some tweaks, and the defense has been playing better. Um, I think they have something, I want to say 11 take takeaways over the last five games. Um, they, they've held quarterbacks to, uh, I want to say it was like a, I think it's some, somewhere in the 50s, high 50 percentage rate with um, completions. So they've done a lot better with getting pressure on the quarterback, getting them off their spots, making plays on the back end, and just having both the front end and the back end play a lot better. And this, despite the fact that they are missing Blake Martinez, their inside linebacker, who went down in week two with a torn ACL. So Good job by Patrick Graham all around to get this defense back to playing where it should be. You had mentioned injuries earlier, and then you just mentioned Blake Martinez. And I'd be curious from your perspective, who's the player that the Giants have missed the most this season? Who's who's missed extended time with an injury? Martinez, hands down, I think. Okay. Um, you know, people will say, well, what about the players on offense? And that that's a whole nother discussion, I think. But Martinez was the quarterback of that defense and the guy who got everybody lined up, the guy who, you know, was the calming factor. Moreover, you know, in the run game, which the Giants have had their struggles with, Martinez was the guy who, you know, if the guys up front could fill the holes um, and occupy blockers, he would be the one who would shoot the gaps. And you look at the tackles, we, we call him the tackle machine up here. And a lot of his tackles, as you know, not all tackles are the same for linebackers. You know, you're either making them within three yards of the line of scrimmage or you're making them downfield. Well, most of Martinez's tackles were coming within three yards of the line of scrimmage, which is pretty darn good. So I think they missed that um, from him as far as the injuries go. And, you know, they've had some other injuries on defense. They've lost Jabril Peppers, their safety, but Xavier McKinney has picked up the slack. Um, You know, they've had... Logan Ryan was missing for a couple of games because he had COVID. And again, they were able to kind of, you know, they missed him, but they didn't miss him horribly. They were able to pick up the slack. But Martinez is the one that I don't think they've really replaced. Even though they have guys in there, I don't think they've replaced that skill set and that leadership. Bet Online has you covered for all of this football season with more odds, props, and lines than ever before. As the march to the playoff continues, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKED ON. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. I wanted to ask you about Saquon Barkley as well, who missed time last year and has not played in all of the games this year. And 
Well, this was obviously a top five selection and a very highly regarded prospect coming out of Penn State. His early production in New York was phenomenal. Uh, what has been the biggest roadblock for him to finding some of those explosive plays and high value touches? Is it him and his vision? Is it the offensive line? Just what, what's gone wrong with Saquon Barkley and by extension, the running game? Part of it is obviously the offensive line. They're not getting enough of a push up front, but you also have to look at injuries, especially, you know, lower body injuries. All right. So Saquon in his second year had the high ankle sprain. In his third year, he had the um, the torn ACL. This year, he's coming off an ankle, a regular ankle sprain that took four, almost four or five weeks for him to get back from. So that has cut down on his explosiveness, I think. But here's the other thing about Saquon Barkley, and this drives me crazy, is that he is a feast or famine type of runner. He is the type of runner who I don't think we see very often lower his shoulder and try to push and press the hole. He's always looking for that escape hatch to find, you know, that crease where he can hit the home run. And sometimes you just have to take what's there and move the pile. And, and I don't see that enough in his game. He's a wonderful talent and I'm glad he's on this team. Don't get me wrong, but I'd like to see him if he's going to run, be a little bit more physical. It just, it, it almost seems like, you know, he'd rather avoid contact and just get to the outside and, and, and shoot up the field and, and find daylight. And you can't do that as a running back. You have to take some of those tough yards inside if the play calls for it. So that's been part of the problem. And I think you can also throw in the usage of, of Saquon Barkley, you know, not being able to get him more in space. You know, when Jason Garrett was here, he, he just, it's almost like the, the Garrett didn't know how to use him. Um, maybe part of that was because, you know, the, the rest of the, the playmakers on offense and the offensive line, I don't know, but it's just been frustrating. You just feel like there's so much more to Saquon Barkley's game that we haven't seen yet. And here it is, it's year four, and, and you're starting to wonder, well, will we ever see it? There's another young player that I wanted to ask you about. It's Aziz Ojolari, who was a second-round draft choice for the Giants this year. And I was a big fan of Aziz coming out of the University of Georgia. And, and you look at his pressure numbers and his sack production, and he looks like he's come into a nice role. So how big of an impact has he been able to make? Obviously, the Giants have all of these Dave Gettleman-acquired interior defensive linemen who can create this big wall theoretically inside, but uh, the outside pass rush was an area where they need a little juice. And it seems like they found it uh, in Aziz Ojolari. So how big of a role has he taken on and how impactful has he actually been? Yeah, he's a guy I love. I absolutely love that draft pick. Matter of fact, I was talking with a, a colleague of mine. I said, I almost wish the Giants had taken him in the first round and then taken Kadarius Tony in the second. That's actually how I projected it when I did my mm -hmm. mock draft. Shows you how much I know, right? But uh, Aziz Ojulari, um, he's a guy who's come in quick first step, who seems to rush with a pass rush plan, um, still kind of you know getting his feet settled underneath him against the run as is usually the case with a lot of young pass rushers, very seldom do they come out of college and they're, you know, they're, they're monsters against the run, but he's learning and he is making an impact. He's already, you know, passed O'Shane Zimenez on the depth chart as a starter. And I think the best is still yet to come from Aziz Ojulari. I really like him and um, his production, you know, I, I think he's a half sack away from tying the rookie record for the giants at five and a half sacks for most sacks by a rookie. So, uh, 
we'll see what, what the next, you know, the next several games bring, but that kid's arrow is definitely pointing up. So when I, you had me on for locked on giants, you asked me a great question and it's a question that I have used in the past, but I haven't in a couple of weeks. So I was, I love that you hit me with a question that I've really enjoyed getting insight for, for, for other hosts on the cross zone episodes. And it's what I'll, I'll ask you to close uh, here today. You're the dolphins and you are crafting a game plan on each side of the ball to beat the giants on Sunday. What is kind of that first bullet point on each side of the football? I get after Tua. That's, that's number one. I mean, we saw the giants getting after Jalen hurts last week against the Eagles. And I know that you're not, they're not the same type of quarterback, mm-hmm. but any quarterback, whether it's Tua, whether it's Tom Brady, whoever the case might be, you get him off his spot and you get him uncomfortable back there, he's going to make mistakes. And Tua, I think, can be mistake prone. So I definitely do things to, you know, get him off his spot, whether I'm getting four guys after him, five guys after him. I wouldn't send the kitchen sink after him, obviously, because Tua can still make plays with his legs. But I definitely look to to move him and get him to throw the ball before he is ready to throw the ball. Um, and, and, you know, especially given how the back end of the defense has been playing, they've been very opportunistic, three interceptions last week against the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. And the Giants have had an, a, a turnover or a takeaway, I should say, I think in, in each of their games this year, which is pretty darn good. Um, I think it's like the first time since I want to say 2007, they have done that. So, uh, that would be my my strategy for the first uh, for defense. Um, now for the Giants on offense, that one you know um, that's going to depend on who's playing because I mentioned injuries and it just seems like every week there's a different you know who's in who's out. Um, I would say probably get the tight ends um, involved. Now I liked what Freddie Kitchens, who took over for Jason Garrett, did last week with getting. Uh, the tight ends more involved in the passing game. And what they weren't doing is they weren't coming back for the ball. They were actually going away. You know, they were hitting them in stride. And that was something that always drove me nuts with Jason Garrett and that Garrett would have them run uh, stick routes. He would have them run curls, comebacks. No, that's not the strength of these guys. Send them out and let them, you know, match up the size, take advantage of the size advantage um, and, and get these guys the ball and see what they can come up with, you know. So I would like to see more balls thrown to, to Evan Ingram, who's a big body. I know he's not a, you know, the Giant fans would just assume not have him in the offense, but Evan Ingram is still a very good player. Uh, Kenny Godaladay, who had a lot of targets last week, um, only three, only caught three, and uh, he was 0 for 3 in the red zone, which was kind of disappointing. But, you know, look, you got to start someplace. But I would make this all about my big boys and just – get them one-on-one wherever possible against the smaller linebackers and defensive backs, because they can win those matchups, take advantage of that size. And, um, you know, if the Giants offensive line can block, um, give Daniel Jones enough time to get the ball out of his hands, then I think the Giants can, can get those chunk plays that they weren't able to get last week, but I think they have the capability of getting. And there's the scoop. Another Thursday, another crossover Thursday edition in the books, Locked on Giants, Locked on Dolphins. We hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Make sure you head over to Locked on Giants as well and hear the Dolphins' focus conversation with Patricia. 
Hope you guys enjoyed. Keep it locked in right here on the Locked On Network. Signing off. Best of luck this weekend to you, Patricia, and thanks for joining me. Thank you.